I've been on a, a crazy travel schedule the last couple of weeks. Uh, after my last live broadcast, I jumped on a plane, flew to New York, did a press tour, met with publications like Bloomberg and the Wall Street Journal, uh, had a meeting with Sports Illustrated and a couple other publications there, talking about the business, some of our new products coming out. And that lasted for three days. I flew home on a Friday night, turned around and jumped on a plane on Sunday and was in Asia looking at a new factory, working on some uh, welded seam production for different types of dry bags and some cases that I'm working on developing. And went and toured that factory. Uh, there, it's an interesting process of building products without sewing. It's all it's all welded using RF welding machines and equipment. Kind of some new, some newer technology this factory specializes in. So toured that last week. Worked on some design and development there with that team, and then flew to Tokyo and met with our major supplier Tore, as a lot of you know, based in Japan. Talked about some new fabric development, some new products that are in development, and our timeline and schedules for production next year. Had a, had a great meeting with them, and they came home, went to Las Vegas on Friday night, Friday afternoon, uh, hooked up with the mobile showroom there on Saturday, met with some customers there, and then back here in the office this week. And uh, we just finished, this is hot off the presses, our 2017 fall or holiday catalog that we, we produce. And... This is a project that, that takes several months and a whole lot of help and people and resources here to put together. And you'll find uh, all the photographies from Paul Bride that's featuring out, that's the outside photography. And it's all coming from our most recent BC Stone Sheep Hunt. We got some, f- some great photos, some different types of scenery and shots that we, than we've had in the past. The catalog will drop in some of our publications like Bow Hunter, Hunt and Full, Western Hunter around the 12th of October. We'll be sending it out to all of our customers on the 20th of October. So it'll be to you by the end of the month. So take a look at it, and you're going to find um, new products featured, new colorways featured for, for the holiday program. And like I said, some amazing shots by Paul. And I think one of the, one of the things we highlight in here at the very beginning is this study that we started on understanding the science of pack weight and how it impacts human performance. And you know, starting this company and talking, highlighting that we've developed ultralight products, really did that understanding the science behind weight and performance. My dad was a competitive cyclist. I've worked with sports science laboratories in my days of playing uh, professional sports and football, and really understanding the benefits of putting science behind athletics. And understanding that there's been a lot of research done on bike weight, and human weight on in the cycling category, the cycling, professional cycling, and you know it's a it's a sport that's won or lost on big mountain climbs, and they're they focus on reducing grams and ounces out of out of the body weight and out of bike weight because it makes such a significant difference. And knowing that is one of the reasons why I wanted to focus on using materials designs and concept and, and manufacturing techniques, design techniques to reduce weight of our products. And really to help maximize our customers' performance in the mountains because weight really matters. And it's interesting in working with you know, finding Torre and understanding the patents they have around their, the way they produce their yarn that allows stretch recovery without elastic. And the downsides to Alaska that doesn't add any performance value, it just allows stretch fabrics to recover. And the ability to remove it out of our product line. Developed the very first layering system at Kuyu compared to what I developed in my previous company. 
we were able to take over four pounds out of just our apparel, and we removed uh, several pounds out of our packs. And overall, now our pack kit weight with all the different products that we make focused on reducing weight. Uh, we've been able to take pack weights that used to run in the 60 to 65 pound range for a 10 day hunt all the way down to 40 to 45 pounds. And that 20 pounds of difference is significant. And it's a, it's, it's a performance advantage that I wanted to find a way to measure. And we contacted UC Davis Human Performance Lab and talked to them about what we were trying to better understand is, is how do we research and study weight, pack, pack weight, and put some data behind exactly what that does to performance in the mountains. So we met with Judd Van Sickle, who is a researcher, um, really smart guy. He's a uh, mechanical engineer. He has a PhD in, in really human science, performance science, and is an ex-collegiate, in fact, he's a national champion cyclist and has coached and worked in training with UC Davis cycling team that's won 11 national championships. So he understands what we were trying to achieve in this study. And in August, we went into his lab, or in, excuse me, July in the beginning of August, right before I went to BC, we did a series of tests using no weight, uh, 40 pounds and 60 pounds on three different inclines, 0, 10, and 20% on a treadmill. I was hooked to a heart rate monitor and a uh, VO2 or carbon dioxide analyzer. And we did a series of tests to um, really start to measure the differences in weight and performance. During that process, we realized how significant it was going from zero to 40 pounds and really the exponential increase from 40 to 60 pounds. And as we came back from BC, sat down with Judd and kind of went through all the information, you know, he, he recommended this could be a full-blown graduate research study that the university probably have interest in it. And so he introduced us to Gretchen Kazaza with UC Davis and discussed the concept of the research program with her. And she recommended putting us in touch with Roberto Quintano from Sacramento State, who's a leading researcher in the effects of altitude and human performance, which really exciting because now the one variable we didn't know how we can measure was altitude. And with Roberto's expertise, um, he'd be able to add that in with his, his access to an altitude chamber and also a VO2 analyzer, carbon dioxide analyzer that is mobile that we could put on our backs and do real-world testing at various altitudes to confirm the testing that we do within his laboratory. And I think, Blaze, do you have some of the footage from, from original study? It's really interesting um, in setting up these laboratory tests. And what you're seeing there is the carbon dioxide analyzer, and that's going to measure the amount of carbon dioxide my body's burning. And again, it's with various weights at different inclines that measures how much consumption of carbon dioxide, how much I'm, oxygen I'm using during the different events and different tests. We also did heart rate monitor to measure my heart rate. And um, it let us do a series of tests. We did rest days in between the different tests to make sure I was recovered. And the data that we were able to pull down was, was, was really interesting and really has led to um, the interest by Sacramento State and University of California, Davis, to do a full-blown graduate research study on, on what we were able to initially learn from these tests. And in doing research on this information, um, Blaze and I have been working on this together, uh, he's pulled down some information. The most recent study, comprehensive study that we can kind of find that was done on this was done when Blaze in like 1976. 1976 by the government, military, correct? Yep. 
And that's not involving, you know, the current um, equipment and computers and, and the, the scientific research that's been done within these sports science laboratories that wasn't available back in the 76. So now that we have two universities involved, Kuyu's going to sponsor this research program. It'll be the most comprehensive modern study of understanding how weight, pack weight, impacts human performance and we can add in the altitude factor to it too, which I don't believe that was done, right, Blaze, in, the, in that original study. And for us, it's exciting because now not only will we as a company better understand how weight impacts human performance, but our, my, my goal with this data and information is to be able to provide this information to our customers. The end goal, what we're hoping to be able to do, is that you'll be able to take your, your profile, your height, weight, um, put it into an app, Add in your gear list, your food list, total up your weight, put in the type of terrain or hunt you're going to do, estimated elevation that you're going to, that you're going to be um, hunting in or climbing or, or whatever activity you'll be doing at that elevation. And it'll be able to tell you how many calories per hour you're going to burn. And then you'll be able to take your kit weight and the type of food you're going to bring, your food, your food list, and begin to adjust it and look at the weight differences and how it impacts your hunt by the hour, by the day, and the total time in the field. And I think it, that information is going to be really helpful in understanding you know, choices on equipment, choices on food, how many calories per hour you're going to be burning, and to have data behind understanding why weight is so important, why it can make you feel so much better and perform better in the mountains. And for me, it's just, I'm always curious. I really want to understand more about human performance with my background and understanding the science behind human performance and applying it to what we do here at Kuyu. And be able to share that with our customers so our customers are better educated and they can really help them plan accordingly for their upcoming hunts and be prepared on the right gear, um, the right calorie count, right food mix. And then on top of this research we're doing, I'm going to be working with Judd, who's an expert in nutrition, an expert from his training with a cyclist on training your body to um, process and burn lactic acid more efficiently and a diet that can help you achieve it and a training regimen that can help us achieve it too. And it's a training program we're going to be working with Judd putting together this fall that we'll launch on a video series um, as I go through this training process for my upcoming sheep hunt that's in the Yukon this summer. And it'll be interesting to be able to run the same series of tests I did last summer and see the improvements I was able to gain from Judd's expertise in, in training for for a an event like a hunt, which is different, which is very similar to training for a you know a, um, a like a, lar a grand tour for cycling, which he's helped professional cyclists do, like the Tour de France, and really be able to train your body to peak for for that event. And our customers will be able to log in, they'll be able to, to follow on the same training regimen that that Judd puts together for me, the same diet, and it'll be a process where we work together to to really maximize. My performance and hopefully all, you know those that want to uh, join in the training their performance for upcoming hunting and he's also going to help us better understand nutrition um, and the diet and the menu choices that we put together uh, for the upcoming hunts and like Judd was explaining to me we may look right now I, I average about two pounds of food a day about 4,400 calories per day is what I bring high percentage of fat he's going to help really through his science and understanding of food, fat, carbohydrates, and protein, put together a more comprehensive, scientific, scientifically built 
menu that'll help us perform better and feel better in the mountains, and then I'm going to go test it up in the Yukon and, and share the results with everybody. And uh, I'm excited about it. It's something that I've really been curious about and want to understand, and now we have the opportunity to, now that this is going to become a, a full-blown research study. In fact, Blaze and I just finalized and submitted today to UC Davis and Sacramento State uh, the research brief with outlining our goals and objectives for this research program. And they're going to put it back together. And it's, it's a research study that will, our goal is to have it start um, in the beginning of the semester uh, in 2018, first semester, and have it finished by June. And it'll be published, and that information we'll then be able to share with all of you. And we're really excited about it uh, and feel fortunate to have now have two universities behind this, this study to really give us a comprehensive understanding of everything we put together. And the great thing is it's now going to involve um, multiple people that will be studied. I think their goal originally on the first program is going to have 12, 12 volunteers that will be probably in an age demographic of 20 to 25 years old because they'll probably be students and will let us have a, a, a broader range of, of study and to really build to quantify the data and be able to provide a more accurate information versus just myself doing the research and being the guinea pig on, on all the science. So stay tuned for that. We'll keep you updated. Um, we're filming it. We'll have a documentary film. We'll probably do constant updates, um, video updates of the process of this as well. And like I said, we'll be able to share all the results. And my goal is to create an app that we all can use to be better prepared for our upcoming hunts. So wanted to share that with you. Just It's something exciting. It's something new. And, and it's, a, it's a research uh, program that's gotten now much larger than we ever anticipated when we first started this. So looking forward to, to diving into this with, with our researchers and putting it all together. Um, so that's kind of an update of, of what I've been working on, um, some of my travel schedule. And, you know, I like to open this, this live event up for, for further questions that you may have, and, uh, questions I'm able to answer in regards to product or the company. And, and I know McCade's here fielding questions right now. And, and uh, why don't we open it up, McCade? Unless, yeah, unless there's something else I should cover that I haven't. No, I think you, I think you covered it. Um, let's dive into some questions. We've had a lot uh, that have been sent in today. Okay. Um, this one actually came from our Instagram post, and I think it's you know something that we should cover. Uh, this came in from Burning Underscore Fight, and they said a company whose whole foundation is built on being lightweight, sponsoring, and having the owner take part in the study is the definition of biased. The <laughs> scientific process has gone to hell these days. I can understand that comment, and this is what I'm so excited about it becoming a university research program because it won't be me doing being the guinea pig. And, and doing all the different uh, exercises and, and study. It'll be 12, 12 different people. And as the university said, as this progresses and continues in research, you know, we're going to choose an age demographic that's easily available. Once this study's done, we talked about you know, using a group of people maybe in their 30s and then compare it to another group of people maybe in their 40s and 50s over time. And it will continue to evolve as we gather data and uh, certainly won't be biased now that it's a... A, uh, a research program done by the universities. We won't have any control on, on who are the um, people in the study. And the research is, like I said, will be done by two leading scientists um, that have expertise in altitude and, and exercise science. So we should get some great data, some really accurate data, and something that's reliable and, and totally unbiased. That's a great question. 
Uh, this one's come up quite a bit, actually. Um, this one came from Brian George, and he asked, why don't you produce your gear in the U.S.? Yeah, and I got those comments, McCade, on a couple of posts I did from my travel recently over in Asia. And, you know, if at the beginning of Kuyu, I tried to produce in the U.S., I ended up in a factory uh, in Canada, in Vancouver. One of the challenges we have, especially for the type of products we produce here at Kuyu, is having the technical expertise, the equipment, and the capacity here in the United States. Unfortunately, it doesn't exist today in the United States for us to produce our product lines here. Um, and the types of products that we do, there's regulations around gluing and seam sealing that can't be done here in the United States. It can be done overseas. And then the equipment and the expertise, has, unfortunately, has moved out of the United States overseas. And to, to create a technical product line like we do, the, the, the availability of the factories to do the type of cutting and sewing and, and construction, the designs we put together, just aren't available here. And, you know, I've talked to uh, Donald Trump about it, Donald Trump Jr., who I have relationships with, about the challenges of, you know, U.S. production for technical cut and sew, and that the facilities, you know, just aren't here. And if there's some way they can incentivize or bring those jobs back, I'd be all for it if we could have the production that could meet our demands. But right now it's just not here in the United States. And I appreciate and I love. I would love to, um, you know, create more jobs here and have those uh, factories here that we could use. But unfortunately, they're just not here. Um, but Kuyu has created, you know, a lot of jobs here in the United States, and not only here at corporate, but also through our warehouse. Um, we've created jobs for outside agencies that we work with in data analytics, des- um, graphic design and arts, and you know, we we add. We'd certainly add a lot of jobs here domestically. The, the production of cut and sew, like I said, just isn't here and available today. And the capacity certainly isn't here as well. But great question. Uh, here's another one from Instagram. Uh, this one came in from Stephen underscore, underscore Goen, and he asked, I'm really envious of all the gear focused towards rough terrain. Are y'all coming out with a more southern whitetail style clothing slash line of gear? You know, I've, I've, we've had those requests a lot, and... You know, my background and, you know, I've never hunted whitetails. And you know, people are like, I can't believe you've never hunted whitetails. I haven't. I grew up in the mountains. Mountain hunting has been my focus. I love big expeditions up north, and I like the gear and designing and focusing on gear that solves those problems in the mountains. And if I was going to create a whitetail line, I'm sure we could produce something really good. I have zero expertise in what to put together. I've had customers volunteer us to do it. Um, but our, our focus is really mountain equipment and gear focused on reducing weight and increasing performance as a company. And at this time, I, you know, I, you know, waterfowl, whitetails, I've had a lot of requests for it, fly fishing gear and equipment, just isn't the focus of Kuyu. And I think we can continue to evolve and push the limits on, on weight and performance for, for mountain expeditions and the types of training conditions we get in. For whitetail hunting, I, I wouldn't, um, it's just not a, a direction that I see us heading anytime soon. Awesome. This one just came in from Sneaker574. What's up, Sneaker? (laughs) And they asked, why doesn't Kuyu kick deck like First Light to conservation? I wear your gear but wish there was something in the works. Is there? We do a ton for conservation. I probably don't do enough to bang the drum about what we do. Instead, I just do it. Um, Financially, we have contributed probably more dollars. I mean, I don't know exactly what First Light's done. I know there's the 1% and Sitka, Sitka talks about some of the stuff they do. 
Um, I would argue that Kuyu does as much or more than, than any of our competition does as far as supporting conservation, working with uh, people that are changing legislation and making a difference in law and legislation here in the United States and supporting those that, that can make a difference there. And as far as conservation dollars, we contribute a lot. And it's probably something I should create more awareness around. Um, I just feel like it's something that, that it's the foundation of this business is conservation giving back. And it's something that I've always done from, from my days when I had Sitka to, to now with Kuyu. And I just take the stance that um, instead of talking about it, we just do it. And we do it in a significant way. Awesome. Uh, this one came in from Meathead0680. And he asked... I posted earlier about the best way to train for an upcoming sheep hunt uh, coming from Texas with little to no altitude yeah. and little to no access to trail or technical areas, 26 feet above sea level. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, we're at 56 feet uh, above sea level. Fortunately, we have hills not too far away I can train in. But there's creative ways you can get around it. Treadmills, uh, getting access to like a rolling staircase and gym or elliptical climber and, and using a pack with loaded weight on, those, on that type of equipment. Uh, can get you pretty well prepared as far as your biomechanics around carrying a pack in the mountains. The challenge you're going to have is getting your feet in shape and really spending a lot of time uh, in a pack outside. And, and if you don't have hills, you can get creative with uh, finding drainages or, or areas that have some topography and doing loops within those. Uh, you can do creative you know, lunging and, and other types of exercises with, pack, with a loaded pack to get used to carrying the pack on your shoulders. And I would recommend anything you do outside, make sure you're wearing the boots you're going to hunt in to get those things broken in and primarily get your feet in. And you can find areas of that maybe doesn't have big grades but has some grades you can work on side hilling to, to toughen up your feet and get the joints and tendons in shape for your upcoming sheep hunt. And if you can, uh, take a summer vacation or spring vacation to somewhere in the mountains and, and do a short backpacking trip to get in shape. Makes a big difference. Awesome. This was a great question that came out on yeah. Facebook from Tim Holmes. And so, he, Tim? He asked, uh, start training with heavy packs over short distances and increase the distance during training, or start with a lighter weight pack yeah. over long distances and increase weight over time? So I think you need to start with a lighter pack for all all distances um, to start with. I mean, primarily you don't want to get tendonitis, you don't want to get injured while you're preparing for a hunt, and I've done that. I've done it um, with lighter weight packs, doing too much at the beginning as far as longer distances, and I've done it with heavy weight packs on shorter distances and building up to longer distances. What I recommend is at least 90 days before your hunt, before you leave, is to start training with a pack. If you can go 120 days in advance, even better. But start with something in that 40-pound to 50-pound range. It may not feel like enough at the beginning, but what you're really trying to do is build up your tendons and your joints to that heavier weight before you step into a 50, 60, 70, 80. And I get all the way up to a 90-pound pack, but you got to prepare yourself to get there. Because if you get tendonitis during your training, you either have to stop training or you're going out of shape or you're going to train with it and take tendonitis into your hunt, which I've had get, become you know, even more inflamed and more irritated on the mountain. And that's something you certainly don't want to do. So you kind of have to ease into it. I also don't recommend training in a, in a loaded pack year-round. It's hard on your joints, hard on your hip joints. Um, and it's something that will break your body down over time. And you want to have a, a long career of, of hunting in the mountains. you got to really be smart about you know, training and having a training regimen that builds you up to that event and then let your body recover this time of year after the event and building back into it for the following year. So, and like I said, we're going to have um, 
a, a series of uh, vi videos in my training regimen that, that we're going to put together with the sports science uh, lab and UC Davis and Judd Van Sickle for this upcoming season I'll be able to share with you guys and hopefully gives you some insight on, on what I'm doing and, and uh, if you want you can follow on with that same type of program for this upcoming year it'll start sometime in January awesome uh, this one came in from Lee Cleanow just now on Instagram hi Lee and he asked when do you anticipate entering the lifestyle market with some some of your clothing and gear you know, you're going to start seeing, and as some of you have seen or, or you have seen uh, through this year, we're, we're introducing more of our products in, in more mainstream solid colors. We've, always, we've had some solid colors uh, that are more applicable to, to maybe hunting grays and browns. You're going to see blacks. You're going to see some other colors coming out in our product line that really transition over for lifestyle. We're going to have some specific lifestyle pieces that come out next year. We've had a lot of requests for an attack pant style pant stretch woven pant that can be it doesn't have all the features that attack pant has but come in a little bit lower price and something you can wear day to day but in a tory prime flex fabric those will be coming out next year and so stay tuned we have we have more coming and we have more solid colors coming i mean our challenge from day one is, is staying in stock and inventory we're finally at the strongest inventory level as a company six years later and that's giving us the opportunity now to start to introduce more lifestyle and more lifestyle color pieces within the line. So you'll see more and more coming out. And I'm excited about it because it gives us more chances to wear Kuyu every day. So this is a pretty cool comment that came in from Jamie Mason. Uh, he said, looking forward to the research, especially about food. I used your sheep hunting diet in Alaska for moose this year and lost seven pounds over nine days. <laughs> pretty awesome. Um, well, I, hope that, I hope that's a good thing. <laughs> You know, it's, um, you're going to go in, I mean, it's just a, a comment on that comment is you're going to have a huge calorie deficit in the mountains. You can't carry enough food to meet how many calories you're going to burn. So you are going to lose weight. I lose weight. Um, you know, one of my goals in training is to strip out as, as much body weight as I can through my training regimen. So when I do get in the mountains, my body's, you know, pretty leaned out and that weight loss maybe isn't quite as significant. Um, but you are going to lose weight. There's, there's no way 4,000 calories is what you're going to burn during Day in the Mountain, which is roughly what I carry. Was there other part to that comment? Yeah, so he also asked, uh, what can you tell us about the extreme cold weather gear that you are testing? I know we released Brendan's muskox video. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've got the new uh, Superdown Pro products that are, just came out, and then we're working on some, some even warmer outerwear. Uh, I've been fortunate to be working with a new designer for uh, at Kuyu, and Augie is uh, his background was the lead technical designer at Marmot for eight years, and, and he's built and worked on a lot of the high altitude um, suits for climbing Everest or K2 for Marmot, and we're working on some new concepts designs that use that same technology and some really cold weather gear that we're working on, and we'll be testing this winter. And really looking at, you know, how do you conserve heat and energy um, by some of the design techniques he's learned from high altitude, high altitude exposure and things they have to design around at, you know, 28,000, 29,000 feet in really cold, windy conditions. So um, we're always kind of working to expand the range of our product line for hot weather and also working on stuff for even colder weather and more harsh conditions and... Uh, we may see some of that product coming out, you know, about this time next year or in 2019, just depending on testing and where we are with the product line. But um, it's a great question. Uh, this one came in from Black Watch Reloading, and they asked Peloton or Merino. 
both are great choices. I think, you know, as, as I've discussed on this, on this topic before, a lot of it's personal choice. Um, for me, I like a fast-drying wicking base layer, and I like a, a fiber that's a little bit more durable. And so I'd choose the Peloton. Now that we have Max Spec, which is our treatment for, for odor, that's a you know, medical-grade treatment that Tori developed for the hospital industry that we apply to our fabrics and keeps our synthetics from really carrying an odor. And I, you know, I was in two shirts for 14 days in B.C. this summer, and it was hot. We were sweaty, and um, neither of my shirts really became um, something that I couldn't wear or had a lot of odor to it. And one of the advantages to Merino is that it's, it's made up with uh, the basis of the fibers, carotene protein, which is antimicrobial, anti-odor by nature. And that's one of the benefits to, to the Merino product. You can literally wear one shirt day in and day out. It'll never, never really carry an odor. The downside to Merino is it's, you know, it's hydrophilic by nature, so it's going to pull the moisture off your skin into the fiber and hold it there. And you get evaporative effect that can cool your skin in hot weather, and supposedly it warms your skin in colder weather, but it is going to hold moisture longer, and the merino fiber just isn't that durable. So it just depends on what you um, prefer and what you like to wear next to your skin. We have some customers adamant towards merino and others that, that prefer synthetic. And right now, for me, I like, a, I like our synthetics a lot, and that's what I've been wearing. Right on. It's a good question. Great questions today. Um, let's see. Let's go to Robbie Catton. He asked, watched your video on the quicks down from Japan. Are you still using Polish down with a Japanese process? Absolutely. And we won't go away from it. I mean, Kawada Feather, the way they process their feathers is really unique. I've learned a lot um, from Mr. Kawada. And he's, the, like I said, the leading foremost expert in down and, the, and down testing and protocols. He's created most of them from his expertise. And the way he processes a feather creates a cleaner feather. Uh, Polish down, like I said in, in, the, in the recent live video, it's a... Older age goose in colder climates, we get a larger feather out of it that's going to perform better and also resist compression when when your product's compressed. And we won't go away from that. Those, the processor, Quata Feather, or the Polish Down, or the Quicks Down we put on it with Tori because it's so significantly better uh, than what we can get out of, of anyone else in the world as far as a performance down feather that's waterproof. Great question. Awesome. So I think we have time for about two more. Let's do it. Awesome. Uh, this one came in from McMullen underscore 40, and he asked, how long does the DWR coating last? Like, does it lose its effect after washes and use? You know, it's, it's a great question. Um, m- m- probably most of our customers aren't really up to speed on some changes in regulation that have happened since we launched this company. First couple of years, we we're first three years we we're in business, um, we could use a longer carbon chain that creates the foundation, the basis of all DWR, and Tori had perfected a way to make their DWR perform and last longer. Um, the challenge with that carbon chain is it's, it doesn't biodegrade very well, and the, uh, that process and that larger carbon, longer carbon chain uh, became banned globally um, due to wanting more environmentally f- uh, friendly chemicals in the process. And so they've gone to a C6 carbon chain, which isn't as durable, doesn't last as long. And um, so our DWR, like anyone else in the industry, has had to go through that process of a, a less durable DWR. Um, we've been pushing Tori, and Tori has, has been pushing their team to recreate the spec and the durability of their previous DWR. 
And we've made big strides in improving our DWR compared to what else is out there in the marketplace. But today's DWR compared to just several years ago is not as durable, doesn't last as long, and you do need to treat your products more often. Um, washing your products, light tumble dry will help revitalize it. And then we recommend you know, treating your garments on a, you know, a seasonal basis at a minimum. I try like to treat mine um, before I go on each hunt. You can do that through uh, a NICWAC wash, a wash that we sell to, to put DWR back into your products, which we absolutely recommend. And more important now with the change in the um, carbon chain regulations, with now that we're at a C6 from a C8, that, that it's important. Um, and so that's kind of the status and where we are with DWR. We do recommend treating your garments on a regular basis, especially now. Awesome. Last question uh, coming in from XV Boss Trek, and he asked, yeah. sponsorship programs with Kuyu or band amb- brand ambassador programs? You know, we've never had a pro staff. We don't do sponsorships. Um, instead, I've, I've decided that I'm going to focus, you know, those dollars into, into products and product development and let the gear speak for itself. So we don't do, we don't have an athlete or we don't have ambassador programs. Instead, we rely on our products and our customers to spread the word for us. And it's, for us, it's worked incredibly well because our products and our business model allows us to deliver products that no one else in, the, you know, in our marketplace or really even the outdoor marketplace can produce a level of products with the materials and designs that we do, the factories we produce them in and let them talk about the gear for us instead of paying people or incentivizing people to say things about our product, whether they believe it or not. Instead, we just deliver the most amazing product in the world and let it speak for itself and let our customers tell the world. And that's, for us, that works incredibly well, and I think it creates more credibility around the brand, more credibility around the products, and allows more trust with our customers that they hear it from another customer, not a paid spokesperson that will say whatever I need them to say, whether they believe it or not. And... And I've watched pro staffs, I've watched endorsed people over the last, you know, 30 years that I've, 40 years that I've been a customer in this industry, um, you know, really lose credibility because they're willing to jump from one brand to another. And one year they're telling you this product's the best, the next year they're telling their competitors' product's the best, all because of sponsorship dollars. And um, I just, something I don't believe in and something we don't do here at Kuyu. So my long-winded answer to ambassador programs and sponsorships. <laughs> uh, I hope you can understand. Good deal. So I think that is anything else you want to cover that's coming in, McCade? I mean, we, we could go all day. <laughs> Let's do one more. Okay. I like the questions. Okay, sounds what good. What do we got timelines, Blaze? We're at half an hour. Okay. Good, good question on Facebook here. Why don't you ask it? Yeah. Lo- uh, Wyatt Banks, loved the truck tour. Do you plan to do it again or other direct touch points to your customers? Yeah, I love the truck tour too. And thank you for the comment. The response to it has been outstanding. We've had huge turnouts at, at every event and every location. So we, you know, every year we build a new marketing budget. We look at uh, the ROI uh, and expense on, on marketing plans and what's delivered. We'll be doing the same thing at the end of this month. We'll be analyzing the tour stops. We'll be looking at how many uh, people came through the tour, how many people exposed uh, the brand to new customers. And we'll be breaking it down analytically to make a decision if it's going to carry forward into 2018 and adjustments and changes we would make to this, to what we learned from this year. But it's been a huge success, and I can't thank uh, our customers enough for the support and the excitement when it shows up to their city and it's been an awesome experience and a great way for us to take our product out to the customers and let them touch it, feel it, and, and try it on and see the whole collection. So um, I would imagine it will continue. And as a follow-up, we have a yeah. bunch of people putting in requests for their, their own areas. We have northeast okay. would be nice. Do you, would you ever do a one to the east coast? 
You know, we do, and I really I mean, I would love to push it further east. This year we focused on most of the western United States, as you know, um, to test it. But I, I'd love to see the truck hit the east coast. I think it's important, to, maybe even more important, to expose the Kuyu product line to the east coast for those that have you know, less experience with it, maybe have less friends that are using it, and really expand the reach uh, of our product line. Because I've been to three tour stops and it's been amazing to watch new customers come in. They're like, yeah, I've heard about the brand. I've heard about the products. When they touch it and feel it and try it on, they see the difference. And they become a Kuyu customer. They kind of, you know, they just get it, what we do and how it's different. And I think that's something you can't, you know, you can't present online. You can't present through our catalog. Um, the product, like I said, speaks for itself and people can see it. We get an amazing response, um, whether it's a trade tour or the truck. So. I appreciate the comments and feedback, and I would love to have it pushed further east in the future. I think it's important. So, Well, thanks, everybody. I appreciate your time, and I uh, look forward to the next Kuyu Live event next week. And, again, topics, discussion points, anything you want me to cover, um, you know, either go through Instagram, Facebook, or customer service and, and let me know, and we'll, we'll cover it in the upcoming Kuyu Live events. So thanks again. I appreciate everybody's time, and uh, talk to you guys next week.